This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode of Press One for Nick. Your host, Nick Limsdahl, is the Director of Contact Center Solutions at VDS. Through conversations with customer service and customer experience leaders, Nick and his guests exchange insightful stories, best practices, and invaluable lessons they have learned along the way. Welcome to the Press One for Nick podcast. My name is Nick Limsdahl, and my guest this week is Howard Tierski. Howard is the author of Winning Digital Customers, The Anecdote to Irrelevance, and CEO at From the Digital Transformation Agency. Welcome, Howard. Hey, Nick. Thanks so much for having me. You bet. Uh, so one question I ask every single guest at the very beginning mm-hmm. is what's one thing people might not know about you? Hmm, something they might not know about. Well, I guess it depends who, but well, I have five kids. Most, some people don't know that. My oldest is a sophomore in college and my youngest is in second grade. Wow. That's a, that's a, I bet there's a story behind the story. So that, that's a, another, another podcast. So let's get right into it. I mean, obviously you're, you're big into digital transformation, mm-hmm. but before we get into all of that, what, what does digital transformation mean to Howard? Sure. Well, you know, I, I think of digital transformation and kind of two levels and the outer level is the digital transformation of the world. You know, if you think about uh, what's happened in the last couple of decades from the, you know, I remember I moved back from L.A. back to New York and I think it was 1994, 1995. And the Internet was this very like ephemeral little tiny part of AOL or so it seemed at the time, something used mostly by (laughs) academic institutions and the military. And in that time since then, it's really transformed the world, transformed. And of course, the advent of, of mobile devices and smartphones even more so. And it's changed the way we shop date, do our finances, educate our kids, engage with our friends, religion. I mean, if you, you, you'd you be hard pressed to find any area of life that digital has not had a major impact on. So we live in a world which is continuing to undergo a digital transformation. And if you're in business, your customers have been on a customer, a digital transformation journey for the last number of years. And so that's what's happening in the world. So then when it comes to an individual company, because so much of the work that I do is say working with an individual brand on how they can drive greater business success, it's digital transformation is really about what you need to do to change, to keep up with the change in the world. Because we've seen so many brands over the last number of years that have, that were once great brands and are now out of business. And I think if you looked behind the story of any one of those brands, you see a common pattern. There's always individual circumstances, the reasons why, but one thing I think you're gonna see across most of them is that they, they, they just failed to keep up with the changing expectations of customers over time. At one time, they were right in sync. That's how they became so successful, but the world changed, they didn't change fast enough or they didn't change in the right direction or the right way, and they were no longer important like they used to be. So there's a lot of organizations that are still still there they're still in that legacy technology they're sitting on it and they're saying what if it if it's not broke don't fix it right it's if it doesn't break don't fix it and so the question i have for you and and maybe to to disprove all these guys is why is digital transformation essential well if you look at the brands that are successful today whether it's brands that are pure play, digitally born brands, you know, like your Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, 
Uber, Hulu, et cetera, or some of the great pre-digital brands that are doing the best today, whether that's an Apple or a Nike or a UPS, uh, you know, et, et cetera, Disney. These are all brands, all of them, that are delivering an outstanding digital experience. You do not see in any significant amount brands thriving today who have not really mastered delivering an elegant digital experience. Because for these customers, you know, I, I called my book Winning Digital Customers. And sometimes people say, well, what do you mean by digital customers? And to me, what it means is that customers today are living a lifestyle with digital at the center. And if you're not delivering a value proposition to them that is elegant and delightful from a digital perspective, first of all, you're not meeting their needs. It's very difficult to run a successful business when you're not meeting your customers' needs. But even more profoundly, you're misaligned with their values. You're demonstrating to them that you don't get it. You either don't, don't get it, which is just not appealing as a brand, or you, know, you, you, you do brand tracking studies and there's one of those questions. Is this a brand for, quote, someone like me? You know? <laughs> well, when you're living a lifestyle with digital at the center and a brand doesn't seem to get digital, it doesn't feel like this is a brand for someone like me. Or even worse, and when I do a lot of customer research, interviews and surveys and focus groups and ethnography and other things as part of my company, what we often see is that when consumers feel that your digital experience is not where they expect it to be, and let's face it, who sets their expectations? It's Amazon, it's Netflix, it's Uber. These are where their expectations are. Very often they derive a meaning from it. And the meaning is that you just don't care. You, 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 know, you, people at Brand X use Amazon just like they do. You know what a great customer experience is. If you're not delivering one, you just must, just must not care about them. And when customers feel that you don't care, whether that's true or not, it's very often not true. But when that's the customer's perception, that's death to the relationship, repeat business, you know, pr preference. And these are all critical things to success in business. So perception nowadays is reality. Well, I think consumer perception of a brand has a huge impact on how they behave. So I always, in an era of Trump, I hate to say perception is reality because I do think it's important that the, remember there is a reality that is real reality. <laughs> to so the consumer this, though, right? Right. As the hey, consumer. If your customers think that you don't care about them, then that's going to drive their behavior. And you know what? Their behavior is reality. Their perceptions may be wrong, but their behavior is what drives the business result. And your job when running a business, no matter what your job is, your job at a company is to make sure that company is delivering the business result that's going to equal success for the company. Yeah. So you mentioned all of these amazing organizations and, you know, you think of Disney and Zappos and Amazon, right? It's, you don't necessarily have to be the creme de la creme to deliver that experience, but is it a choice? Like, do they still have a choice as an organization or is it now more of a necessity to be uh, digitally driven? Yeah, I think, you know, I think there's always going to be an exception somewhere. I, I write in my book about my favorite restaurant in Cozumel. Cozumel is a little island off the coast of Cancun in Mexico. And there's this one little restaurant on the far side of the island that serves fresh fish, you know, on a little like Jimmy Buffett, like beach shack. So you know what? Maybe they don't need to undergo digital. They're so charming and delightful. Who cares whether they're digital or not, right? But yeah, but is that you? Is that your business? Probably not, right? If you're so yes, I, I think it's essential because if you're not, if, if you're not 
far along that digital curve, as we said before, you're probably not aligned with the with the needs of your customer. And then, but you know, it's not black or white, right? It's a question of, well, how far do you need to go? And I think that what a lot of companies do, and a lot of the companies that are struggling today, struggling with their business results today, might say, but we have had a digital transformation. We have an app, you know, we have a website. We we just redesigned it, we just improved it. Yeah. But, you know, it's not just about having digital touch points. You know, you use the term digitally driven, and I talk about that in my book. The way I look at the history of digital, and I'm old enough to have participated in the three major eras, the three major kind of phases of digital, um, the digital progression of history, starting back in the 90s. And the first phase was basically brochureware. You know, the first websites were all just content and information about a company. And then we moved into e-commerce. And we built you know, sites that connected to our backends and connected to payments. So you weren't just talking about yourselves on the internet, but you could actually do business on the internet. And you know, that term, that word, I am always interested in language. And I, I love that term e-commerce with the hyphen, because it really is a good description of what a lot of e-commerce is, which is you take what you were already doing, you take the products you're already selling, the customers you're already selling it to, and you just add another way of getting it. And that was really what a lot of e-commerce was for many years. This is just another way. Instead of coming to the store or instead of calling the call center, you can order it on our website. Well, that's great. You know, that's convenient for the customer and that reduces cost. But it's not really a major transformation. It's more of an incremental enhancement and improvement. It's an alternate channel to buy tickets for a show or whatever you may want to do. But if you look at the companies that are really thriving in this digital age, they're mostly doing much more. You know, uh, you look at something like Uber. This is a company that could not have existed without the world of digital. This is not just a, a traditional car service company that allows you to call a car via an app. And if you look across all the companies that are doing the best, they are what I call digitally driven, meaning the fundamental core of their value proposition and way of operating is fully leaning on the digital world. You know, Airbnb is essentially nothing more than a digital platform. You know, it, this is the largest hospitality company in the world and they don't own any hotels as my uh, friend and great author, Tom Goodwin often says. So I think this is the next stage of transformation from e-commerce to being a truly digitally driven company. And a lot of brands are still in e-commerce and it shows in their results. That's all you can get beneficial results from e-commerce. I'm not against e-commerce, but if you're a car rental company and you're doing business the same way you've done for 40 years, the only thing is you can also take a reservation from your website. That's good. But look at someone like a zip car who comes up with a completely new mindset around rental cars. You can park them wherever you want. You can find where there's a car near you. You can walk up to it. You can open it with your phone. You can get it and you can drive away. That is a digitally driven manifestation of the concept of a rental car. There's so much to, to, to walk through on that. And so I, I'd love to spend some time on that maybe at, at another time, but there's, sure. you know, even going back to the, the, the hut and Cozumel, people are trying to get away from digital probably in that moment. It's not necessarily a digital need, but majority of the organizations in the world still need to be focused on being digitally driven and listening to the customers and what their preferred channel is. Cause you, you mentioned the different channels, 
most organizations inside customer service or consumers that call into customer service are calling me either because it's a fire or because that the issue didn't solve in their first channel. And that information didn't move contextually to that next channel. And that is just another reason people need to continue to focus on the consumer to improve that digital experience. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think what we really need to be doing, given how much digital changes the way we interact with the customer, we need to be rethinking our entire customer journey, not just the digital portion, but everything, and ask the question, well, when and where do we want to talk to the customer? When and where does the customer want to talk to us? I mean, there's no question. First of all, I always say, you know, kind of jokingly say, in this digital age, your customer doesn't want to talk to you. By and large, your customer would prefer something quicker and simpler than actually getting on the phone and talking to somebody in a call center most of the time. And that's typically cheaper for the company. So win-win. So make sure you're good at that. However, having said that, there are moments when it really makes sense to be speaking to the customer. We, one of the companies that we're doing work with, with is AAA that does roadside assistance. And depending on what's wrong with your car and what situation you're in, you know, if I'm sitting at home and I walk out and I realize I have a flat and I go back in and I push a button on an app and I say, someone needs to come change my tire, that's fine. If I'm, you know, it's three in the morning and my car breaks down in a bad neighborhood and I'm on the side of the road and I'm, I'm scared and I don't know what to do, you know, I kind of want to speak to a human being at that moment and just have somebody who can reassure me and so that I can stress to them the importance that someone get here quickly, et cetera. So there are times when customers do want to talk to you, it's a minority of times. And, and there are also times when you may really want to speak to your customer because you can more effectively sell to them or upsell to them. So I think it's about looking at the customer journey and figuring out what, what are the optimal touch points at each stage of the game. And, um, and then, you, you know, you made a key point, recognize that in many other times when the customer is reaching out to you, it's because their preferred mode of interaction failed. And, you know, failures can happen for lots of reasons and nothing's perfect. And, in this world, things are constantly changing because customers' needs are changing, technologies are changing, you know, new versions of iOS are coming out. So things can break all the time. And what you want to make sure then that you've done is you've got a really tight connection between your customer service organization and those people that are running the customer journey and the digital experience so that when you get those signals coming into your direct you know, call center or chat, you know, your direct customer service organization, they're getting routed to the right people who can say, okay, wait a minute, this is an indication of a problem, obviously help the customer. And now, but let's, let's find out why this is happening and fix it right away. In a competitive market, does your customer service stand out from the crowd? One way to offer a better experience is by moving your contact center to the cloud. But with so many options to choose from, how do you know which solution is the best for both your business and your customers? That's where VDS comes in and guides you to the best solution. They understand your clients' pain points, business outcomes, and goals. Then VDS designs, implements, supports, and provides 24-7 managed services. From start to finish, VDS is committed to finding the best solutions for your clients' needs. To learn more, go to www.govds.com or find a link in the show notes. Yeah, so we've talked about what the heck is digital transformation? We talked about why is digital transformation essential? So how do you prioritize it? Yeah, well, um, the work that we do in, in my book, Winning Digital Customers, I talk about that process of first understanding the customer, 
doing customer research to make sure you understand where their greatest points of pain are. Because the best opportunity to differentiate any business is to do a better job of solving customer pain, either do a more thorough job of solving the pain you're solving today or solve additional pain that you weren't already solving. And, you know, I, I mentioned Uber earlier, you know, I think Uber is a great example of that where, you know, when I think about the pain of a taxi cab in New York City, one of the big points of pain, if you'd have said to me, what, are, what point of pain do you have associated with a taxi cab? I would have said, well, I never know when I'm going to get one. I can go out on the street and sometimes they're right there, but sometimes it takes me 15 minutes to hail a cab. And that's a major point of pain. And obviously Uber has done a great job of making it much more predictable to know when you're going to be able to get a car. And that's a, clearly a, a articulated point of pain. But they've solved other points of pain for me that I didn't even realize were points of pain. For example, if you'd have asked me you know, if I had any pain associated with the fact that when I get in a cab and it takes me someplace, then before I can get out of the cab, I have to take the 30 seconds and pay the cab. I never really would have, I was never sitting there upset about it. But once you experience Uber, the car slows to a stop. And the moment that car stopped, you just get out and go on to your next thing. Now, all of a sudden, if I do happen to get in a yellow cab and I get where I'm going, I'm every second that I'm sitting there, I'm feeling like, I'm here. Let me out of this damn cab. You know, I shouldn't have to deal with this. So the point is that, um, first of all, sometimes it's about figuring out what's the pain you can solve. The customer doesn't even really see themselves. And then what's great is once you do solve it, then every one of your competitors looks like the, the perceived pain that your competitors have has increased. So, you know, you asked me how to prioritize. I think the number one way that I like to prioritize is to say, well, how much pain Whatever thing you might do, a new feature in the app, a new piece of content, whatever it is, how much pain does it solve? Or another word for that would be friction, inconvenience, things like that. And then measuring how much pain, well, there's a few ways you can measure it. You can measure by the severity of the pain. Some things are only a minor inconvenience. Some things are horrible. And you can also measure by how many people are affected because you may have a problem like, you know, uh, when your elevators break down, it takes a long time for the repairman to come, but they don't break down that often. So it affects certain people occasionally. Whereas if your elevators give you one of those static shocks every time you push the button, well, that's affecting every single person who gets in the elevator. So clearly it, it gets more points for the, the frequency. And then lastly, of course, like any kind of prioritization, all those things kind of affect, well, what's the impact of any given thing you can do? How much pain is it gonna solve? And how many people is it gonna affect? And then the other side of the equation is always level of effort. You know, is this a major, massively expensive, time-consuming transformation, or is this just changing the word in a button on a web page, which is usually pretty simple to do? So when you look at those various variables, then you can do some scoring. And in fact, one of the tools that I give out uh, for free with the book is an is a Excel spreadsheet in Google Doc that we use this for this very purpose, just to help take lists of ideas that you may come up with for that potential future state journey and prioritize them along these different dimensions. And then, you know, sort them so you can at least see which ones seem to be scoring the highest. Yeah, there's, I appreciate that breakdown. I think that's very beneficial to a lot of the listeners who are trying to figure out what to do next. So let's say that you have buy-in from the C-suite where, where you're in there talking and somebody's like, all right, we, we're moving forward. We have marching orders. We have our objectives. We know what success looks like. And then you get to everybody else, the next 5,000, 10,000, 20,000 employees. How do you overcome that organization resistance to change? Because everybody's like, oh, that's just one more thing that I got to figure out and put on my list. Or I got to learn how to do this new technique or new training, a new process or new technology. Yeah. Well, 
I think that it's a very good question. And I think the first thing is to anticipate it, is to expect, you know, sometimes when you're a change agent and when you're somebody who's enthusiastic about driving transformation, you can get to the point where that transformation seems so obviously good to you, so exciting that you fail to anticipate that a lot of people may not be so excited about it. I remember, for example, working for one large property and casualty insurance company doing like auto insurance and home insurance. And we were, we were replacing the policy quoting system, the thing that uh, you'd use if you went into the agent and they would ask you all these questions about your car and your driving record and they would give you a price. The new system we built was a web-based system. The old one we were replacing was a green screen system. You know, one of those old things where you have to memorize all kinds of crazy, yet all the F keys were used. You know, you needed to know all these weird commands. And so it just seemed like, well, they these people must be just waiting for us to save them from this horrible system, you know? Kind of like, you know, I don't know, you hear about the mindset of Christian missionaries coming to Africa saying, we've brought religion to save you. And then they realized that the people there, they weren't they weren't waiting to be saved, you know? Well, similarly, we built this much easier to use system that used, of course, obviously a mouse and menus and buttons instead of crazy keyboard commands that you'd have to learn. Well, first of all, what we realized when we went to roll it out is these people already learned the green screen system. And in fact, they'd spent years learning the green screen system. That was part of their value. They couldn't be fired because if uh, someone wanted to replace them, it would take years to train someone else to use this obscure system. So the idea of replacing it with something fresh and fun and easy to use was not appealing to them at all. And, you know, honestly, initially, we failed to anticipate this at all. We just thought everybody would herald it as a much easier system, wouldn't you? So the first thing is to anticipate it and research some of the people that you're going to be asking to embrace what you're, what you're, what you're proposing to understand what parts of it they're likely to resist. In that particular case, what was funny was ultimately we discovered one little feature of this new system that everybody did love and they did embrace because it solved a point of pain they had because they didn't have a point of pain that learning the system was too hard because they'd already learned it. But this one of the relatively small features of this new system was that you could print an insurance card in your office. You didn't have to tell the customer after they signed up for insurance, oh, it will be mailed to you in you know three to seven days, whatever. And that one thing, which we had never thought of as being like the, 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 the star of the show, it was just one feature. When you told them that, they're like, oh, I want the new system. That was all it took. But we had to go through the process of trying to figure that out and understand it wasn't the things that the features and aspects of the transformation that we thought were most important. So understanding what to lead with, to understand, and it might not be the same for all different groups, by the way. So if you're, if you're looking at this large sea of people, people in the call center may have a different mindset than the people on the manufacturing floor versus the people in marketing, et cetera. In a way, it's like any kind of marketing or communication. Understand your audience. That's one step. Eight. Yeah, it, it's understanding your audience. It's listening to them when they actually speak back to you and then yeah. taking that and saying, based off of what you said and what I think your objectives might be, maybe you already have these potential objectives based off of the title and say, here's some of the things that we've heard in the past. And here's how we've gone through these. And are these beneficial to you? And they're going to say yay or nay, but you continue to have to listen to them on that journey. And it, it sounds so simple to be able to print cars internally. What made them flip the switch and say, aha, I need that now. And it was probably 
something where you're like, well, that's just a nice to have. It's not really a want. Right. But for them, it was the key thing. And, and there are many other answers to that question, by the way. In my book, I spend like a whole half of a chapter talking about 10 different ways to overcome resistance to change. Everything from using storytelling to inspire people to giving people a role in the decision-making so they feel that something's not put upon them, but something that they get to participate in. Um, so I won't try to go into every one of those reasons here, but um, as a shameless plug for my book, I guess I'll say uh, <laughs> there's a lot of content in the book specifically about overcoming resistance to change because it is a major hurdle to transformation. Yeah, and just to touch on that, I, I would highly recommend it. It's it's winning digital consumers, our customers, the antidote to irrelevance. And I think it's a solid, solid read. Highly recommend you take a peek. I'll put it in the show notes and cool, uh, when you. I post it online. So I ask every everybody, uh, any one of my guests, two questions. And the first question is, is what book or person in customer service or customer experience has influenced you the most in the past year? And then the second one is, if you could leave a note to all the customer service professionals out there, it's going to hit everybody's desk Monday at 8 a.m., what would it say? Well, on the first one, uh, I guess two, two come to mind immediately. I mean, so many great people writing and, and, and thought leaders around these issues. But I would say uh, Shep Hyken, many people are probably familiar with him, Call to the Customer, and he's written so many great books and such a great speaker. And actually, there's a new book coming out called I'll Be Back. I highly recommend you check out. <laughs> It check um, out that promo video with him in the leather jacket with the sunglasses on. It's, it's so funny. I just saw that today. It's funny you mentioned it. Yes, absolutely. So definitely that. And um, I, I mentioned earlier, so I'll, I'll mention again, Tom Goodwin wrote a fantastic book called Digital Darwinism. Really, really interesting and goes in very much to the issue of change. So I would uh, recommend uh, those as two books, if I can cheat and give you two answers <laughs> for one question. And as far as a note to leave to everyone in customer service, um, you know, it would be, you are our number one listening post to the customer. So please, while your first priority should be to serve the customer, please recognize that you are our CIA, FBI, Secret Service, Marker, you are all of that. So when you learn things and as you learn things, Figure out how that information gets back into the rest of the organization, because we need to know, we value the insights that you get from your interaction with the customers. And we need to know them because that can help us make the whole experience better, not just what you do in the call center. Well said. Howard, what's the best way for my listeners to connect with you? Well, if they're interested in learning more about my book, and in fact, if you'd like to uh, read the first chapter for free, you can go to winningdigitalcustomers.com read more about the book and in fact, download and read the first chapter. And uh, if you're interested in learning more about me, I do have a podcast also called Winning Digital Customers and a live cast on LinkedIn twice a week. And the best place to find me is on LinkedIn. Actually, that's where I'm most active and you can find me by searching for Howard Tiersky, but I'm also on Facebook, Twitter and all the usual places. And now Clubhouse, my newest toy is, is creating rooms on Clubhouse. So I'm still figuring out how to make that work, but that's my new platform. So you just get on AOL with your 500 free hours and you'll find him somewhere <laughs> on the internet. Exactly. Just be Howard. sure you use the CD-ROM. <laughs> Make sure you wipe it too before the scratches. I you, you hate to have that happen. Yeah. So Howard, appreciate your time, man. I, I love uh, what you're doing. I love the book and I recommend everybody going and, and snagging that and uh, uh, gleaning all the information that I did. Awesome. Thanks, Nick. Thanks for having me. Hey, listeners, can you think of one person who would benefit from the information you learned today? If so, please consider sharing this episode with them. And last, if you would like to receive all the quotes and book recommendations from all my guests, 
you can go to press1fornick.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of Press One for Nick. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and share. Until next time, focus on your customers. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.